Well, good morning, Christ Chapel. It's great to be worshiping with you from the Fort Worth campus this week. Uh, it's been some different campuses uh, the past few weeks, but it's been wonderful uh, getting get to those particular campuses. But would everybody, no matter what campus you're at, would you open your Bibles, please? Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 is where we're going to be today. If you're opening one of those blue Bibles, it's page 929, 929. No matter what venue you're in, if you're opening one of those blue Bibles. Uh, let me also say uh, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I probably won't see you before Thursday, so would like to tell you happy Thanksgiving and let you know how thankful Jen and I are and our boys uh, for you as a church. We absolutely love you. have no idea why God has blessed us uh, to be a part of Christ Chapel, but we're so thankful. Uh, it reminds me of Philippians chapter 1, verse 3, which I... Uh, put on a lot of notes or emails or things like that. I, I thank my God every time I remember you. Uh, Jen and I do thank God every time we remember you as our church. Uh, we are just super, super blessed. So uh, we will be giving thanks for you on Thursday. And so let me tell you, happy uh, Thanksgiving. So are you ready for Thanksgiving though? Are you ready? Okay, many of you, if you say yes, you're ready for the break. That's what you're ready for. You're ready for uh, some time off, but not many people are ready for Thanksgiving because uh, there's a lot of things you have to get ready for before Thanksgiving. If you think about it, think, think about your week. You've got to get all of your plans scheduled with all of the friends or family or places that you have to go. Then you have to get the place ready. You have to get your home ready or your apartment ready. Whatever you've got, you got to get, get that ready. Then you got to get all of the food, all of the food that you're supposed to take, even if you're supposed to take one dish. Um, I don't, we, we try to throw that stuff together at the last minute. Um, it's just us. But you got to get the food together. Then you got to get to all of those designated locations, multiple locations sometimes on the same day. Then you have to get into a conversation with people that you might not normally talk to. And you're like, how am I going to do this? What are we going to talk about? Haven't seen you since I was 12, but here we go. Let's go. You got to get into those kind of conversations. Then you have to make sure you get everybody's dish on your plate because you don't want to offend anybody. And uh, if your folks are still around, they're probably giving you the stink eye, like make sure you get Aunt Mabel's casserole here that you can't tell what it is, but go ahead and put it on your plate and choke it down. I have issues from my childhood. I'm just going to air those out now. But there, there's a lot of getting that you've got to get to for Thanksgiving, which sounds totally antithetical. You're like, I thought, I thought Thanksgiving was about giving, but really a lot of our Thanksgivings are about getting. And you go into Thanksgiving, you, you go in going, what am I going to get out of this? And then you go out going, what did I get out of this? You know, what are we getting ourselves into? Thanksgiving is also oftentimes about thanksgiving. And we need a perspective change. We need a perspective change on giving thanks, not only on the particular day that is the holiday, but really a, a lifestyle. And hopefully this entire week leading up to it. And I know no better words to, to look to to change our perspective than Jesus's. And in Acts chapter 20, yes, we have the words of Jesus. And you go, wait, we haven't really heard the words of Jesus in Acts, but we have his words here in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. 
Paul is speaking to a, a group of friends, and he says, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than receive. It's more blessed to give than receive. Now, with this phrase, uh, usually people have uh, two hang-ups with this phrase that I want to go ahead and address. The first one is, you will not find that phrase in one of the Gospels. So you go, what, did Jesus really say it? Okay, come on, guys. Jesus said a ton more than what is recorded just here in the Gospels. You understand that, right? I mean, there, he said a lot, a lot more than is what recorded there. That's, so this is oral tradition that was handed down through the disciples of this is what Jesus says. And honestly, is it really out of character for Jesus to say something like that? I mean, that sounds like something he would say. That was the epitome of his life that he gave more than he received. So the first problem is, if you go back and look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you're like, where is it? It's not in there because this is oral tradition passed down through the disciples. The second hang-up that people have with this verse is, you don't believe it. And I struggle to believe it, if, if I'm honest. We live in a world where you try to get, get, get. And we think the more that you get, the more that you're blessed. That's the way that we live our lives. That's the way we orient our lives. That's the, the way we orient our careers. That we strive to get because we think by getting, we will be blessed. But Jesus says it's completely opposite. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And I know that you struggle to believe that, and so do I, but let me give you an illustration that I think will uh, clear this up for you, that it's more blessed to give than receive. Uh, if you are a TCU football fan, you were more blessed to give a whooping to the Baylor Bears yesterday <laughs> than the Baylor Bears were to receive that whooping, okay? You were more blessed to give than receive, I promise, okay? Is that something we can all agree on as Baylor Bear and TCU Horn Frogs? I think we can all uh, agree on that. Plus, we can all agree that the Blue Bonnet Battle is a terrible name for that game, okay? Gosh, look, we're like so close now. Baylor and TCU, we're such, so friendly. But that's what is going on here is Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive. And this is coming at the end of a gathering that Paul has with his friends. And I want to tell you how this gathering ended. Okay, look, look at it with me in Acts chapter 20, verses 36 through 38. Look at how this gathering ends. It says, and when he had said these things, this is following up right there on verse 35. It's more blessed to give than receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. We're going to stop right there. So th this is the way that the gathering ends. 
that, that they're all so filled with, with gratitude, with love for one another, that they kneel down together, they pray with one another, they're, they're weeping, and, and they then accompany him to his ship. They, they accompany him to his vessel so that he can leave. Does that sound like the end of your Thanksgiving gatherings? Tears, maybe. Okay, but weeping uh, for, for gratitude, uh, thanksgiving, the, the praying together, the holding hands, singing kumbaya, probably not. Probably because we oftentimes go into thanksgiving thinking about getting rather than giving. And so what I want to do is I, wanna, I, wanna, I think we would all love for our thanksgivings to end this way. Where, where we are filled with gratitude, where we can walk people out to the car and just be filled with, with thanks. And maybe not tears because we're super sad that we won't see them again, but just the, man, I'm thankful for the time that God gave us uh, together. I want your week and your Thanksgiving to be filled with gratitude. But in order for it to be filled with gratitude and thanks, we have to go into it with the mindset of giving rather than getting. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back through this passage. I began with the end in mind so you get a vision for what this looks like. But really, the, the whole reason why this ends the way that it ends is because Paul went into this with a, a different perspective, with a mindset and a lifestyle where he was giving rather than receiving. And I want to show you all of the ways that he was giving to this group of friends so that you can see the byproduct. You already saw the byproduct, but then we can replicate how can we give to those folks around us so that we look forward to and actually enjoy thanksgiving rather than dreading thanksgiving, okay? So we're going to start here on your sermon notes and I want to give you some of those reasons why it's more blessed to give than receive. So first, it's more blessed to give than receive because giving connects us to others in genuine relationships. Giving connects us to others in genuine relationships. If you just think about this, you know this, the most genuine relationships that we have are really based on giving. Um, if you, I, I know that you know this, but if you have children, there is nothing that you would withhold from your child. You would give them anything. That's a genuine relationship. Uh, many of you have uh, friends, best friends, that you would give the shirt off of your back and you know that they would do the same for you. This, this epitome of, of giving, this undercurrent of giving and generosity, that is what undergirds genuine relationships. You also have other friends, though, that you know every time they call, they're not looking to give, they're looking to get. And you're like, oh, do I have to answer the phone? You know, do I, how long can I wait to answer that text? You know, you don't, you don't want to respond because you know that it's, it's one way. It's not a genuine relationship. It, it, it's giving, but it, it's not, you're, you're, there's no, there's no uh, reciprocity. Is that a word? Uh, they're not reciprocating. That's a better way to say it. Uh, gosh, I'm sorry, guys. But they, they, they can't, they, there's no, it's not a two-way street. It's a one-way street. The most genuine relationships you have are, are actually undergirded 
by giving. See, giving connects us to others in genuine relationships. And that's the kind of relationship that he had uh, with these folks, these Ephesian elders. And I want to give you the context. So look back at verse, verses 17 through 19. It says, now from Miletus, he, that is Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. So let me, let me give you some context here, okay? Paul is going through Asia, and he ends up in Miletus. Now, we've been showing you uh, where these things are in context. Miletus is just south of Ephesus, and it's about 30 miles, about 30, 35 miles uh, by land, okay? Now, he is in Miletus, and he calls for the Ephesian elders to come and visit him. To make that 30-mile trek to come and see him. Now, the, the question you should ask or, or probably are asking is, why doesn't Paul just go see them in Ephesus? Okay, if you've been hanging with us through the series, can you tell me why? Do you, do you remember what happened in Ephesus? Remember the big riot in the theater? Great is Artemis of Ephesus. We just studied it. They, they probably would have killed Paul if he had gone back there. So Paul goes to Miletus, but he wants to see his friends in Ephesus. So he says, hey, Ephesian elders, these are the, the leaders of that church that he had established there. He said, would you come and visit me in Miletus? And they make the 30-mile journey to go and see him by foot. Now let me ask, how many of you would walk to Dallas to go see a friend? Okay, no friends in Dallas. I got you. Okay. <laughs> Burleson. <laughs> Weatherford. Brock. Fort Worth. What, what, use a different marker there. Different destination. But how many, how many of those friends would you walk for 30 miles? You have some. You, you have some. But those are some genuine relationships that you have. Those are some of those relationships that I, I mentioned for a spouse or a child or a family member or one of those genuine friendships that you have. But those genuine friendships are built on doing life with one another. It's built on a foundation of authenticity that has led up to that journey together. And that's what Paul is describing. The reason why he can ask those guys to walk 30 or 35 miles to come and see him is because he spent a lot of time with them. We know that Paul spent about three years in Ephesus with these guys, with, with that fellowship. He spent three years, and he didn't just spend three years with them just uh, doing ministry stuff together. He did life with them. If you look back, it says, you know how I served the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Uh, Paul was persecuted. He went through hard times, and he shared those hard times with those uh, Ephesian elders. He, he actually let, let them into his life. 
He shared with them, here are the tears, here are the trials. He let them see his weaknesses, his vulnerabilities, his hard parts of his life. He didn't just show them all the good. He showed them the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that built a genuine relationship with these guys, so much so that they're willing to to make that journey, that trek, so that they can spend time with him uh, before he journeys on. I think there's a good application for us here, especially as we go into Thanksgiving, but one that I think we can apply to our everyday lives, and it's this. Give, when we think about it's better to give than it is to receive, give authentic answers that allow people to really connect with you. Give authentic answers that allow people to really connect with you. You know, when, when Paul um, mentions here how, how there were tears and trials uh, when he was in Ephesus and how uh, these men would have seen that. I want you to think about how Paul walked into church or walked into those relationships. And he would walk into church and those Ephesian elders would go, hey, Paul, how you doing? I'm fine. Do you think he said I'm fine? You know? Well, how, how was your week, Paul? Busy. Just busy. Hmm. Man, so engaging, Paul. Thank you. Great to see you today. Do you think he gave those kind of deflective answers? Folks, we do that all the time, and you you know it. I guarantee you, 90% of us, when you walked in one of the doors at church today, you were asked, how are you doing? You went, fine. How's your week been? Busy. Hmm. Man, so that's how you're doing. You know, oftentimes when people ask us how we're doing, we tell them what we're doing. Not how we're doing. People want to, I want to, I know our staff does, I know our church does, which is one of the reasons why I give thanks. We genuinely do want to connect with you. But we can only connect with you as much as you allow us to connect with you. We sincerely want to know how you're doing. We sincerely want to know how your week was. We, we genuinely want to have a, a deep connection, a relationship with you. But you've got to give authentic answers in order to genuinely connect and build those relationships with other people. And, and I guarantee you, if you begin to give some of those authentic answers so people can genuinely connect with you, you will be blessed You will be blessed when you begin to offer some people some connection points into your life so that they can go, oh my gosh, that's how you're doing? They can connect with you on a much deeper level. And oftentimes, if you're going through something that's causing tears or trials in your life, I cannot express how many times I've heard somebody share something in in a setting that is something hard. And oftentimes, somebody in, in and around them goes, me too. Or I went through that. Or I've been there before. And, and it, allows, it allows those genuine friendships uh, to begin to cultivate and germinate and exist. Uh, it is more blessed to give than receive. So give people authentic answers. You're going to go into Thanksgiving and you might see some folks that you haven't seen in, in a while. And they're going to say, how are you doing? 
please, please pre-plan your answer. This sounds, this sounds weird. But on your way there, evaluate. How are you doing? And come up with an, a, a genuine answer. And give the answer at an appropriate time and place, okay? All right, let me also say that. But give a genuine answer. See, one of the reasons why you answer fine or busy is because you don't think about it. And it's just, it's just instinctive, it's reactive. That's why, that's why it's hard to come up with these things. Think about how are you genuinely doing? Spend some time reflecting. Spend some time with the Lord so that you can give an authentic answer uh, to folks that you're around so that you can build those genuine relationships. I, I really believe that you will be more blessed to give authentic answers uh, than just to receive. Okay, the second way that giving is better than receiving is that giving increases our dependence on God, which grows our faith. Giving increases our dependence on God, which ultimately grows our faith. When, when we give, we have to depend on God to provide for us. When we give of the things that he has given to us. And Paul, as he's spending time with these Ephesian elders, he kind of, go, he kind of goes back and, and rehashes some of the, the time that they've spent together uh, these, the past three years that they had been together. And if you look at what he says in verses 33 and 34, he says, he's talking about the, the faith that he had and the, the genuine relationship that they share with one another. And he says, I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. Uh, Paul says, hey, you know that I didn't covet what you had. You know what covet means. To, to covet means to, to really desire with jealousy. It's to be jealous of someone else. And he says, you know that I wasn't jealous of your silver, your gold, your material possessions. I wasn't jealous of those things. I, I was genuinely uh, excited to just, just connect with you. And guess what? I didn't ask for anything from you. In fact, I worked to meet my own needs and help the needs of those who traveled with him. He, he was always looking for ways to give, not in ways that he could get from those folks. And remember, he, he had an occupation. He was a tent maker by trade, which connected him to Priscilla and Aquila, who we talked about earlier in the book of Acts. So he is making a living, he's working, and he's not saying, I covet those things. Because, guys, let's be honest, uh, tent makers weren't, you know, raking it in during those days. I mean, I mean he wasn't high class society here. But he said, you know what, hey, I have all my needs met. I'm not covetous of what you have. I'm completely content. Because I'm going to give what God has given me and I know God's going to provide for everything that I need. That was the spirit in which he had and that's the, the spirit in which he related to all of these other folks. Is I'm not looking to get from you. I'm, I'm going to give. I'm going to be a contributor. And I think when we are those, those kinds of contributors, we depend upon God to provide for us. So here's an application for you. Give sacrificially so you can watch God show up. During the season of Thanksgiving, give sacrificially so you can watch God show up. 
Now, when I talk about giving sacrificially, I'm talking about things beyond, you know, letting someone get that last Sister Schubert roll, you know, that's on the table, you know, trusting that God provides a hot pan, you know, that comes out uh, later. Those things are awesome. Sister Schubert is my favorite family member, by the way. Um, just kidding. Uh, okay. But I'm talking about giving, giving in a way where you need to depend upon God. You know, sometimes I, I think that we don't give room in our lives for God to show up because we don't give sacrificially. We, we hoard the things that we have so that we, the, the hope being, you don't have to depend on anybody. You don't have to depend upon God. And so God doesn't, you, you haven't given in any room to, to show up. And sometimes when we do give those things sacrificially, God, it gives room for God to show up. Guys, and, and I'm not just, yes, I am talking about financial resources because I think that's what Paul is talking about here in verses 33 and 34. I think he's talking about money. But I also mean it in other ways where you give of your time sacrificially where you go, I really don't have time to stop and help that person today. But if you do, it's amazing how God shows up and how he makes you more productive, more efficient. I've, I've seen him do it in my life. It's amazing how when you give sacrificially, there, there's something that happens where there's a, a God provides in a different way or a different means. God shows up. When you depend upon God, he always shows up, always. And the way that that increases our faith is because when he shows up, you know that you have a personal God who sees you, knows you, loves you, and cares for you. You see, sometimes we go, I don't know if God sees me. I don't know if he cares for me. I don't know if he loves me. Well, do you, get, or, or, do you give him any room to show up? Do you depend on him in any way? Or do you say, I'm going to take care of myself. It's me, myself, and I, and we take care of us. And that's it. You see, when you get into that self-preservation mode, you live in a scarcity mindset. That's not going to build your faith. And I promise you, that's not going to bless your, your heart or your soul. If you live in, in a giving mindset where you go, I'm going to depend upon God. Everything I have is his anyway. I'm going to give and see how he shows up. God, here you go. You know, Paul was never in need. <laughs> and, and when he was in need, God showed up and provided for those needs. Give sacrificially so God can show up. Now, I do want to put a quick caveat in here because I want to be very clear. I am not preaching a prosperity gospel. Okay, I'm not saying, you know, give God a little and he's going to give you a lot. And you're never going to get sick and, you know, this luxury car is going to show up in your driveway. Or I'm not preaching that at all. Okay. I'm just acknowledging that everything we have is from him. And I, I think giving is a way that we show that we depend upon him. And it's a way that we bless the fellowship. And that's what he was doing. He was, he was blessing the fellowship with the way that he gave. And then he just depended on God. And it continued to grow his faith. And I think the same would be done uh, for us. Okay, the third reason why it's better to give than receive is because giving is contagious and can inspire others to give. Giving is contagious and can inspire others to give. So Paul is giving this farewell speech uh, to the uh, 
elders in Ephesus. And the reason why he's giving a farewell speech is because he is going to leave them. That's why they're crying. They said they don't think they'll ever see him again, but where is he going? Well, we get a clue about that up in verse 16 when it says he decided to go past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. And if you look back in verse 22, he tells them that explicitly. He says, and now behold, I am going to Jerusalem. Now, why is Paul going to Jerusalem? He doesn't exactly tell you here, but one of the things that you should know is Paul is going to Jerusalem to deliver an offering to the church in Jerusalem. He's, he's literally taking people's financial gifts and going to Jerusalem to help those saints in Jerusalem, those Christians who are in need. Now, where does this collection come from? All of the churches that Paul has planted that we've been talking about in the book of Acts. He takes up an offering for them and he's going to take that offering and he wants to get there by Pentecost to deliver that to the church in Jerusalem for those needy saints. You see, do you see what's happening here? Paul was, was sent by a church in Antioch of Syria, which you've seen on the map. He goes and he gives as he gives of his life, this lifestyle of giving to all of those churches. And they say, we want to help other people the way that you've helped us. And so those Gentile churches give back to the church in Jerusalem where these Jews have come to know Christ. And remember, these Jews in Jerusalem, they probably were not being treated well by the Jews in Jerusalem. Remember, where was the persecution coming from as Christians? The persecution was coming from those Jews. Paul even said here, you know my tears and trials. Why? Because of the persecution I faced from the Jews. So those Christians back in Jerusalem, the hotbed of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, we've talked about them before, uh, those Christians, they may have lost their jobs. They have may, may have taken their possessions, uh, their possessions taken away from them. And so Paul's collecting this offering from these Gentile, which is ironic in itself, from these Gentile churches to go back and help these Jewish believers back in Jerusalem. You see, this giving mindset is contagious, and it's inspiring other people to give. As Paul gives of his life to the Gentile churches, the Gentile churches want to give something back, and they want to help someone. Paul says, I know someone you can help. Let, let me take an offering back to Jerusalem. So I think there's a wonderful application for us during this season. It's this, give anonymously so others pay it forward rather than pay it back. Give anonymously so others pay it forward rather than pay it back. If you think about these offerings that are passing to and fro, uh, they have no idea who's giving what. They have no idea whose name is attached to, to the gift. And Paul would have taken those things, and although I, I don't think Paul wanted to keep the name secret per se, I mean, he's going, this is a gift from the church in Ephesus. This is a gift from the church in Galatia, from Thessalonica, from all of these places that, that he had gone back to the saints in Jerusalem. It, it, it's, these are anonymous Gifts, And I think that that's important and Jesus even encourages us to, to give anonymously so that God knows, he always sees, uh, but others don't know. Because if others know, they might be tempted to want to pay it back. 
And we've got to guard our own hearts in those ways where sometimes we want our name attached to a gift because we want others to be indebted to us. And that's not right. We, we, we know that and we've got to watch our own motives and watch our own hearts. But that's why I think sometimes an anonymous gift helps us in that way. Because when somebody gets that gift, they don't know who to pay back. And that's okay. So who do they thank? God. God. Okay, good. Good. I think they thank God. And you say, well, how, how do they know to thank, thank God? Where, where do you get that from, Cody? Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, he tells uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That they go, I don't know where this gift came from. There must be a God. (laughs) There is somebody who knows me, who sees me, who cares for me, who loves me. And it's a heavenly father. See, giving is contagious. And, and what I've noticed is when people get those anonymous gifts, it inspires them to want to give to others. And I've seen it happen time and time again. I've seen it happen. When you give, you, and we just prayed for the persecuted church, when you give to the persecuted church, guys, I can tell you, I hear those stories come back where when you give to them, you know what they do with your gift they use it, they, they certainly use it in the spirit it's intended to, but they also give it away to other people that need help. <laughs> they give it to those other church members. They're not paying it back to Christ Chapel. They're, they're not indebted to us. They go, praise God in heaven and let me continue to give because God has met my needs and here's how he's going to meet somebody else's needs. It's more blessed to give than receive because giving is contagious and it encourages that spirit of generosity amongst others. And then finally, it's better to give than receive because giving reveals the unknown God. Giving reveals the unknown giving God. We've been talking about um, how to reach the 800,000 in our own backyard who do not know or walk with Jesus. And we've talked about one of the daily habits is to show and tell of Christ's love for you and, and who Jesus is to you. Um, that showing and telling. The telling is absolutely important, but sometimes we need to show. And sometimes we show through giving, through giving of our lives, through, through giving of everything that we have, our, our resources, and saying, let me show you his character because that's his character. And Paul uh, says in verse 24, as he's talking about giving away his life, I don't account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish the course and the ministry. Each of you have a ministry. And it's the give our lives to Christ and give our lives away that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. And that's not just with our lips, but it's with our lives. So here's an application for you. Give your all to the one who's given his all for you. Give your all to the one who's given his all for you. We start by giving our lives and surrendering our lives to Christ first and foremost and saying, my life is yours, lead me, guide me. And what I'll be praying for this week for each one of you is that God would guide you as you walk into those Friendsgivings 
or those family gatherings or whatever it may be that your life would be surrendered to God. And you go, I'm going to walk in giving. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. But with that mindset and with that spirit, because I know that you will be more blessed to give than receive. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for um, living out this spirit of generosity. And then showing us what it looks like to live that out through the Apostle Paul, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that he was a sinner saved by grace just like all of us. And, Lord, you can live out that same spirit through us. And so, Lord, I pray for all the gatherings that we'll have coming up this week. Lord, may you equip us uh, as we surrender our lives to you. And may those gatherings be filled with giving rather than getting. I know that each one of us will be more blessed to give than receive. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.